The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord.
the Lord's conception, the Annunciation, and, uh, and, and the Feast of the Circumcision and the Epiphany before we even were settled on the day of his birth. Why? This is the day that Jesus was circumcised. In fact, for most of the church's history, this day is just called the Feast of the Circumcision of the Lord. Um, they changed the name when they revised the calendar in the 70s, I think, because they didn't want us pondering that history too much. <laughs> but the reason it's important is because circumcision was the moment that the kid kind of became real. It's, this is not a statement about when life begins, right? But, but because infant mortality was so high in the ancient world, because the, the, the moment of circumcision marks the moment that a child was brought into God's covenant, became part of God's family, and because it was the moment when they were officially given their name, this became kind of the first critical moment in the life of the baby, which means it was the first critical moment in the life of the mother. We miss this a lot nowadays because of how baptisms happen, but our, our ritual for baptism is drawn in large part from the old ritual for circumcision. What's the very first question we ask at the door? What name have you given your child? You know this story. We read it just a couple weeks ago in preparation for Christmas with the Baptist, right? The angel tells Zachariah, his, you'll name him John, right? And Zachariah can't talk when it comes time for the circumcision. So they, they, they ask the mom, what's his name going to be? And she says, John. And they say, you don't know any John's. And, and he writes, Zachariah writes, his name is John. He was already John before we bothered to call him that. The reason this is so important, friends, is because now that today is the first day of the calendar year, because this is, importantly, a kind of a hard restart that both the church and the world offer us in the middle of the year, we need to think real seriously about the role that time plays in our life. And the way that we do, or maybe don't, sanctify, holify, the time that we're given. People have been wondering about time, well, from the beginning. But the first person to write about it really seriously wasn't Einstein or Stephen Hawking or Isaac Newton. It was St. Augustine. And what Augustine says is this. He says, time is really hard because if you ask me what is time, I can't put my arms around it. Right? If you ask me what is book, I can, I, I can show you. If you ask me what's an apple, you can taste one. But if I say, what is time? That's a lot harder sort of thing to talk about, right? So then he goes through various kind of alternative theories of what, like, what this time thing is doing. But this is where he lands, which I think is what makes this important for us. Time is a creature, so this is important. Time is made by God as a means for helping us measure Growth. Say it again. Time is a creature given us to enable us to measure growth. And the reason I think that's important is because I know as I look at the list of resolutions I made up for the year, both for me and for the parish, they're largely predicated based on lack of growth. Right? So you say, Father, what do you want to see Christ in the next year? I'm going to say, I want to see 
15% more people showing up to Sunday Mass. I want to see our tithing increase by 20%. I want to see uh, specs for the roof. I want to see, and, and what are all these things based on? Gaps, holes, right? Literally, holes in the pews, holes in the roof, holes everywhere. The absence, right? That's what I'm measuring on. But that's not what God wants us to measure on. That's not what he's given us the gift of time for. Time is meant to measure growth, which means if I'm developing resolutions or goals or hopes or dreams for the future, those shouldn't be based on what I presently lack, but on looking backwards, what I can see of how I've grown, how we've grown as a parish, as a diocese, as, as, as a whole church. If I look at where we've grown and see the momentum that we have, the gifts and the energy that already exists, those goals suddenly look very different. I still might want to get to more people at Sunday Mass to patch holes or maybe just a plain old brand new roof or to any number of other things. But the way that we're going to get there is going to look very different. If all I see is the absence, the, the, the difficulty, the mistakes and errors present in my life right now, and all I try and do is correct what's wrong, well, the moment I fix one thing, something else is going to go. But if instead, I can look back, like a wise mother, who could see the child <clears throat> from the first moment she held it and suckled in her breast, till this first day of school and the letter parade, first ball games, first dances, first competitions, first dates, weddings, ordinations, graduations, the potential that exists in each one of us is, practically speaking, infinite. It's particular to each one. My infinite looks different than yours does, and yours and the guy next to you. Good. But that means that where God wants us to be this time next year isn't just not where we are today. It's a direct reflection of what he's already begun. So what I want you to do today, and what I mean to do today, is we celebrate the Eucharist today. As we offer the price of the sacrifice, as we lay down this new year before God and say, please, Lord, do with us as you will, what I'm looking for are not the gaps, but those that have already been filled in. Not the areas in need of greatest growth, but the growth that has already happened. And not whatever insights I or those around me can muster from our own hard work right now, but my willingness to be changed as I've been changed in so, do the same. And together, let's leave the best year yet.